If you're just joining us, we're in a series on hope, and this is the third and last installment in the series, and we're going to talk about what it means to have hope in heaven. Now, what we've seen so far is that hope enables us to experience the good promises that God has for us, even while we're surrounded by the troubles of this life. We saw last time that the Christian life was never meant to be, and to be frank, that it cannot be done without a very tangible and daily hope in the promise of heaven. You see, it's, it's in this hope that we can experience joy in all circumstances, because the promise of heaven is always present, regardless of what's happening around us. In many ways, the key to joy, the key to being happy, is this kind of hope. But how can we have a hope like this that sustains our joy? In, in simple terms, to have hope in heaven, we have to know a little bit about what it's going to be like. To get excited about heaven, we have to know what's worth getting excited about. And if we're honest, I think that our idea of heaven is one that sounds like it could get a little bit old. I mean, if it really lasts forever, is it maybe possibly going to get just a little bit boring? I mean, I know that those aren't the questions that we're supposed to ask, but let's allow ourselves to ask them today. Let's get honest and explore the scriptures together. We'll start with what we do know about heaven. You see, in Revelation 21.3, this verse tells us a little bit about what heaven is going to be like, what is going to be there for us in heaven. It says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. See, the first and most foundational fact about heaven is this, that God himself will be with us fully and continually. Now, here's the truth, is that that either sounds like the most amazingly, overwhelmingly exciting thing that you could possibly imagine, or it, well, well, it doesn't. And if words like exciting, moving, exhilarating don't come to mind for you whenever you hear this, I don't want that to make you feel bad. It, it should, though, make us wonder why. To understand what's missing, I think that we need to first understand why it would be exciting. Why should that be exciting for us, so to speak? The, the truth is that it is only exciting when you really know God, whenever you really know him as a person. You see, whenever we truly know him, what he's like, through a genuine relationship, a, a genuine friendship with him, the thought of finally, truly, fully, continually being with him, it's enough to short-circuit our emotions. If I'm honest, he is the truest friend I have ever had. Every kind of love I have seen and felt in this world pales in comparison to even just a single taste of his love, of, this, of the love that he has shown me, even, even the love that he shows me whenever he's rebuking me. You see, whenever I think about how loved, how peaceful, how joyful, how cared for, how cherished, how satisfied, how fulfilled I have been in just one moment of feeling his companionship, that's what makes this thought so exciting to me. And here's the thing, is that if you haven't experienced him in this way, I don't want you to feel discouraged. In fact, what I want this to do is to encourage you. Encourage you that you don't know what you're missing. That if you want to experience him like this, it's as simple as starting a conversation with him, because that's the basis of every friendship. And if you aren't sure really what that looks like, 
maybe I'd encourage you to take a look at our series that we call Talking with God, where we talk a bit more about that. When we get to know him through a real friendship like this, it not only gets us excited about heaven, but here's the best part, I think, is that it lets us truly experience heaven on earth in those moments with him here and now. Now, if we keep on going in Revelation, the the very next verse transitions from what we will have in heaven to what we won't have. And honestly, the list is pretty impressive. Here's Revelation 21.4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Now, it's amazing enough what won't be there. Death, mourning, crying, even pain itself will all be gone. But what I love the most is the way that this verse communicates why he's going to do that. He doesn't just say these things are going to disappear as a simple matter of fact, but it illustrates for us by saying that he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. You see, he isn't just eliminating these things as part of his blueprint for heaven. He is removing them because he cares for us. And he doesn't just remove them from our future in eternity, though I think that would be plenty. He restores the pain they left us with from our past. In this single phrase, he describes how he will overwhelm every question we have about why he didn't get rid of those things sooner. Why we had to experience death and pain on earth. He overwhelms these questions with more than just words. He overwhelms them with comfort, with healing, healing us fully from the pain that they caused. There are so many more verses, but in just these two, we've seen plenty of reasons to get excited about heaven. But there's still that lingering question in the back of my mind. I can see why heaven's going to be great, why it's going to be awesome. But can it really keep being awesome forever? I mean, forever is a long time. I'll admit, There have been a few three-hour church services that I was glad when they were over with. When I'm on my billionth hour in heaven, the question comes to my mind, am I going to start to feel like maybe this is the movie of Groundhog Day? I think we've all worried about the possibility that heaven could eventually get, well, boring. And we can't let that question linger. We have to address it. It's hard to have hope in something that we think will eventually get boring. And we saw last time that if we do not have hope in heaven, we won't have the stamina to take up our cross every single day, over and over, like we're asked to do. So what does the Bible reveal about this? Now, we all know 1 Corinthians 13 as the chapter on love, but it's also a chapter about heaven. The reason that Paul gives for why love is so important is because it will still be important in heaven. He tells us we don't need tongues or prophecy in heaven, but we'll still need love. Heaven will be full of love. The chapter can almost leave you with a sense that love is the only thing that we'll need in heaven. Well, almost, that is. You see, in verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 13, Paul explains that faith, hope, and love abide. These three, that that all three of those is what's going to be in heaven. He's saying that we will experience all of these things in heaven. We will still have faith, we will still have love, and we will still have hope. But as I thought about that verse, especially in this context here, something hit me. Hope? We're still going to have hope in heaven. I mean, we're in heaven, aren't we? We finally made it. What is there left to hope for? If hope has a place in heaven, that means something. 
It means that there is still something to hope for, even once we are in heaven. To experience hope is to experience a joyful expectation about something that's coming. What's more, we know that we don't hope for something that we already have, but something that we are waiting to receive, something that we're waiting to experience. That's the verse that we talked about the first time out of Romans 8, 24 and 25. So this seemingly simple fact that we will experience hope when we're in heaven has incredibly overwhelming implications. What Paul says in passing at the end of 1 Corinthians 13 overhauls the way that most of us understand what heaven will be like. Heaven will not be static. Heaven will not be repetitive. Heaven keeps getting better. But that leaves us, I think, with something of maybe a paradox. If heaven is absolutely perfect, which it is, and it leaves us wanting for nothing, which it does, how can it get better? It, it sounds impossible, right? But I would suggest, as I thought about it, that it's actually the only possibility. You see, heaven would not be perfect if it never changed, but remained static for time unending. Instead, part of what makes our life in heaven perfect is that it keeps getting better. Heaven is perfect because it is full of hope. In heaven, we will have hope for something, wait for it with joy-filled patience, eventually receive it and experience its joy, only to find out that there's something even more exciting to hope for. This is why hope remains, because hope is essential to joy. And heaven, it's gonna be full of joy. Now, we didn't have time to talk about everything, but I hope that just this small sample of what heaven will be like has gotten you excited. What's maybe even more exciting is that the joy of heaven was never meant to be reserved for just heaven. Like we talked about in the first post of this series, hope is the present enjoyment of future blessing. And God has given us the gift of hope so that we can enjoy, so that we can get excited about the things that he has planned for us. And as I said earlier, God intends for us to experience a taste of heaven on earth today through our relationship with him in the Holy Spirit. After all, the Holy Spirit is described as the guarantee or the down payment, the, the first installment, so to speak, of our inheritance. That's Ephesians 1.14. So as we enjoy that blessing, the blessing of being able to experience the relationship with him on earth as a down deposit of what heaven's going to be like, we can add to that joy. We can do it by filling our thoughts with the hope that we have in the rest of heaven, in the rest of the inheritance that we are destined to receive. So what I want you to do is give yourself permission to have hope. Give yourself permission to maybe even daydream about the good that God has for us in heaven. This hope is what allows us to experience the joy of heaven now on this side of eternity. When it says that Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him in Hebrews 12:2, it describes this idea of hope, that it was joy that was set before him. We are meant to follow his example. This joy that comes from hope is meant to fuel our endurance each day so that we can take up our cross, so that we do not grow weary in doing good, because we know that in due season we will reap if we do not give up, like Galatians 6, 9 says. I hope that this series has inspired you with the power of hope, the way that it can transform our lives. I hope that this series has inspired you to pursue hope 
because of the joy that it brings. And I hope that this series has helped you to see the hope that we all have in the promise of heaven. Thank you for spending time with us today. I hope that this message was helpful to you. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. You can also find our verses in the written version of our content on our website and get that emailed to you if you'd like. Also, if you're on Instagram or Facebook, you should check out our pages there and follow us for some additional content. And also, Monica does some fun reels uh, that are pretty entertaining uh, that you don't want to miss. 